passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Long and Winding Railroad. Uh, my name is WH Park, and uh, you know we're at episode fifteen. I I didn't know if this how long this this series is gonna last, but like a lot of people seem to be enjoying the series. So thank you very much. Of course, the Long and Winding Railroad is about the nineteen nineties era of all Japan pro wrestling. In my opinion, the greatest product ever in the history of this uh, despicable great sport that we all love and and uh, yeah it's it's my favorite in-ring product uh, and it's you know if you've been listening up to 15 so far you know why we, we detail the greatness of of a lot of the these amazing matches that 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 exist in the in the company at this time and uh, joining me today is a first time guest uh, but he's not a first time guest to post wrestling or any of the shows that I do and it's my good friend Joey Bay Joey how are you doing well wh thanks for having me on i'm i've admittedly like i told you off air i'm wearing my my beautiful very stylish uh the pillars uh the long and winding royal road of wrestling t-shirt that is uh that went on sale a few weeks ago i believe and man i've, I've probably gotten like six or seven wears out of this shirt already awesome. <laughs> I, I love it so you uh, gotta, great, great work see like i you know like i know like john cena has the shirt and like he went to like this meet and greet with like AW people. <laughs> I saw a picture of him and, and Aiden Kingston. I'm like, why the fuck didn't you wear my t-shirt with like you get a meet Aiden Kingston? Maybe he, he'd buy one. He'd be like, oh, where's that? Where's that shirt from, player? And then he'd buy Where one. Where can I get that, partner? Right? You'd <laughs> he, be like, and then like I could say like fucking Eddie Kingston owns the, the pillar shirt. And then listen, <laughs> excuse me. If, if Eddie Kingston wears that thing in public, I'm going to get like sales through the roof. You know what I'm saying? Dude. Yeah, totally. He wears it out on dynamite or something like that. You're, uh, <laughs> you're making some bank, dude. I, you know, my <laughs> dream. Okay. This is my dream. Someone make this fucking happen. Okay. Eddie Kingston, wears that t-shirt out for a match against Ken Chan? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then sales of that shirt through the roof. What's that? Eddie Kingston. Oh, I got a store at postwrestling.com. It's a shirt. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, no, I I totally could see him doing that. I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's a listener if he hasn't already said so. I mean, he he shouts out jo Joseph Monticello's awesome 
all Japan videos all the time. So, I mean, you're, you're like one removed from, from well, him. So. I, well, I don't know. I mean, I did say like his, his Misawa tribute gear doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're, if, if anything, I think the best way to describe you is you're, you're an extremely honest person. And I would agree with those sentiments that that gear did not look good that night. <laughs> his Kawada tribute is like a lot better. The black Definitely. and yellow he wears is, is a lot better. I'll, I'll say that about, about Eddie Kingston. Yeah. But like, Hey, like I will say this about, about Mr. Kingston. That if, he, if he wore that shirt, I do think it's like the best like endorsement and advertising I could get for that shirt. But, but like, you know what, we're going to, I'm going to list, you know what, I'm going to do that right now, Joey. I'm going to list. Cause I can't remember who I thanked the last time. So I'm going to just thank everyone who's bought a t-shirt so far. Let me just get that out of the way. So sure. yeah, shout cool. out to the people who have bought the L and WRR Pillars t-shirt uh, that's on sale at store.postwrestling.com. And that's uh, Brandon from New Jersey, our good friend, Alan Farrell, uh, Brian Klein. Oh, Dr. Keith Lipinski. He bought yeah. the shirt. That's awesome. To me, it's like as an old, old, old school, like, you know, F4W listener and like message board person. Oh, Dr. Keith bought the shirt. Awesome. Have you seen him wear it? At, maybe he's going to wear it in, at an AAW show. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be seeing him next weekend at All Out uh, weekend. So I will. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'll be packing this T-shirt as well, and I'll make sure uh, Keith and I are twinsies at least at one of the shows. <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll sneak a mark pick with each other. So with our matching T-shirts, oh, that'd be awesome. Send it to you. <laughs> um, uh, their man Neil Flanagan, uh, John Ceno, Ashley Lane, Rich Fan. Uh, JP Houlihan, uh, Joseph Bay, uh, Eric Jones, uh, Scott Ferry, <laughs> Scott Torrance, uh, Ewan McKenzie, and Jesse Ballesteros. Hope I said that right. But thank you. Thank you, everyone who's, who's bought a, a shirt so far. Spread the word. Like, uh, you know, wear it out in public and, and tell people, hey, you can get this shirt at store.postwrestling.com. But uh, that's, that's enough of that. Thank you, WH, That's a, that's a, a star-studded list of uh, uh, purchasers. I mean, that's... Just- that's a you got like Alan and Dr. Keith and, and, you know, Sino does the shows for us over post and does a lot of writing for us. Rich fan, JP. I love JP, you know, like maybe my love of JP rivals my love for you, Joey. Oh, that's so nice. You know, that's, that's the love, nicest thing I can me, say. So. I love me some Neil Flanagan too. He's a great guy. He is a, he is a very good man. Uh, I don't claim him. That's why I always say their man. He belongs to John way. But I, I'm I'm glad to have sure. correspondence with with you know what right right now like he's probably like so happy he's like doing a little <laughs> jig in his home in his home in Ireland and he's like Ooh, Joey and uh, WH are saying my name oh like so, but you, you're welcome Neil thank you for buying the shirt and you're welcome for me putting you over uh, very strong on, <laughs> on on the long and winding road but but Joey today let, let's talk about before we get to the match let's talk about your fandom or all Japan of the 1990s. What's what, what is your fandom for, for, for this product? All right. Well, I, I was expecting this question and I really, even coming into this, I really didn't know how to answer it. I, without, you know, being pretty long winded and all over the place, but essentially I, I'd, if I were to pinpoint a time where I started watching uh, classic all Japan pro wrestling, it would have been right around, 2005 2006 when uh that's that's right around when i started buying ring of honor dvds and that's obviously the gateway drug to all of uh this other stuff for at the time a young and like myself i was 15 um so i was looking for 
any alternatives to what was going on and what was being aired on television at the time uh, in terms of wrestling. So uh, with the Ring of Honor coming in and, and kind of getting learned up on on all this other uh, wrestling that happens in the world, uh, I started hearing about the Misawas and the Kawadas and, and uh, Taways and Kobashis and Akiyama. And, and um, I honestly, I, I think I, if I remember correctly, I watched a Kobashi uh, uh, Kawada match um, and I loved it, but I did not understand the allure. Um, and I'm probably going to get blackballed for this, but I didn't understand the allure of Misawa and Tawe at the time. For whatever reason, just aesthetically, I, I didn't get it with uh, with Misawa and uh, definitely with with Tawe. But over time, um, I, I mean, it's hard not to grow to love all like that all of those guys, the, all the pillars, including Akiyama. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I think it was just an acquired taste, but to pinpoint my, my fandom, I think it started in 05, 06, like I said, and then just compounded from there. That's not to say I've, I'm a completionist by uh, any means. I still tend to just kind of parachute in and uh, uh, just find random matches when, when I've got some downtime and want to watch uh, something that I know will be good and keep my attention. Um, but it's definitely something I want to do at some point in time in my life, uh, is just sit down and try and watch as much of that 10 year span as possible. Um, it's just not something that I've squeezed in <laughs> yet in my life. Well, I mean, you gotta, you get all this light tube stuff to, to watch, <laughs> yeah. course, to keep up with. So, um, but you know, as you say, Oh, five, Oh, six is when you, you start with the classic all Japan in the nineties, which is like funny because that's kind of like the peak of, of Purasing Noah exactly ring and like so were were you like kind of like oh these guys were all in all japan but like i can see them currently in in pressing noah yep yep exactly it was kind of like uh for me i at least uh mentally like i i can recollect my wrestling fandom starting uh and going into hyperdrive in like 96 97 and uh i had noted like obviously like the NWO had started Kevin Nash and Scott Hall had jumped over and it was kind of like the same thing like you just said saying like oh these guys in NOAA used to be in all Japan it was kind of like that with like Nash and Hall like oh these guys in WCW they used to be in the WWF um obviously the circumstances are quite a bit different with the uh uh the exodus uh happening in like 2000 uh from all Japan but um yeah no it's it's definitely there's definitely a correlation with the ring of honor at the time having the relationship with Noah and getting exposure to those guys and then going back and watching some of their old stuff from, from uh, the previous decade. Yeah. It's, 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 a, I, I think if you're, if you're starting with Noah in like the early two thousands and you're like, where do these guys come from? Because like, you know, at that point, like tape trading has actually, I think exploded in the early two thousands, like, especially yeah. with the, the advent of message boards and people like being able to like, not necessarily do newsletters, or anything, but like, oh, I can go into this forum and there's a bunch of you know people who have like a lot of this footage that I can get stuff from. And yeah, so like Noah and, and All Japan were like the top of the line of as far as that kind of stuff was going back like that and like New Japan Juniors and FMW, stuff like that. But like, it must've been like, for me, it was like, I was already familiar with this before because I was a fan of the All Japan stuff before Noah existed. And then, but for people like who, come in with knowing like they're seeing kind of like older versions of like kabashi and, and misawa especially and then you go back and it's like oh damn they 
they they they were young they looked you know they're moving a lot they're a lot more mobile and you know they're a lot more crisper in their work yeah yeah. and and so it's it's to 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 go back and forth like in time with your fandom with with the with these specific noah guys who were the pillars in all japan that must have been really fascinating like i don't have that experience per se but like i think thinking about it i'm just like what what that must have been like really yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool to just have like a treasure trove of content that you could kind of go back and just kind of get lost in essentially whenever you want, um, which is actually kind of a benefit to new fans. I mean, even now, like, uh, I guess the direct co- comparison would be like maybe uh, depending on who you ask, I'd say like maybe the AEW guys like the Bucks and Kenny and like seeing what they're doing now and then going back. 12 15 years and seeing their pwg work and being like wow there's all this stuff they've been doing for this entire they have a whole catalog of of great great matches and and years worth of of like jumping around from promotions obviously these guys primarily stayed in uh all japan and noah but uh yeah no it's uh it's it's nice to have like a bunch of content ready and available for you as soon as you dive into uh, a, a new a new uh channel of of wrestling or uh, of content you know definitely definitely I'm, I'm like that i was like the last thing i was like that with was probably like uh two aw to be honest with you i was like <laughs> i was watching a bunch of the stuff during the pandemic because like they were one of the few companies that were like enjoyable for me with like yeah. you know, with like no fans but like like the other members of the roster would be the fans and make the noise so i thought oh, that's acceptable you know they're in the two aw arena which became like the epicenter of pro wrestling in japan <laughs> like last year so I was like, oh man, I'm liking a lot of these guys like here in 2AW, like, yeah, you know, your Ayato Yoshida's, but like, I'm, I'm like, you know, um, Kaiji Tomato and, and Tank Nagai. I'm like, oh, who, these guys are fine. I'm going to go back and try to, you know, find as much 2AW footage as I can and, and try to watch a lot of it. So that was a fun, that was a fun thing. So I think that's maybe kind of my, my parallel with what you're talking about here. But um, let, let's get to let's get to today's match. Uh, what did you pick for us to talk, watch, and review here, Joey? All right. Well, as you know, um, I went back and forth because I I felt like this was a uh, a big opportunity uh, and a fun opportunity to talk about something that you and I usually don't have uh, a chance to talk about. Um, but I ultimately landed on uh, the championship carnival final from 1996 uh between akira tawe and dr death steve williams you know it's kind of uh interesting that you picked this because like uh episode 14 the last episode with jp guland he picked the 1995 champion carnival with misawa and akira tawe so i thought this is kind of like nice synchronicity we have here like we're cut where you're jumping a year ahead with episode 15 to like a Tawe uh, and once again appearing in the finals of the champion carnival. Uh, this, this is uh, on April 20th, uh, of course, emanating from the grand Budokan hall that you and I have both been to. Yes, sir. And um, you know, like I always think like we had, a, I think we had a great experience because we saw the G1 in Budokan hall and that was a great time there. But can you imagine being at Budokan in, in this era for like these all Japan shows? Dude, yeah, I've, it's something that I like try to envision now that I've been in the building. I don't know if you do the same thing, but like now that I've been in the building, I can kind of like figure out like based off of my viewpoints and where I sat the three times I've, I've been in the building, I can kind of like think like this is what this spot would have looked like from this 
this point of view. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Budokan is, is insane to be at for a wrestling show or probably any, any, uh, uh event. Um, you could probably speak more to that, but yeah, no, it's, uh, oh, I've only been to Budokan for, for wrestling. Like I would love to have seen a concert at Budokan. Like oh, I know I'm sorry. Our- I, I thought you and Jojo went to, uh, uh, was it, uh, one of the, uh, Oasis guys. Oh, uh, no, Gallery. That wasn't at Budokan, unfortunately. That was like in, uh, Makahari Messe, where New oh, Japan gotcha. sometimes has shows. Like, that's a completely different part of Tokyo, actually. Gotcha, gotcha. But I wish, God, I wish it was at Budokan. I would have, like, lost my mind if it was at Budokan. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, good show. Like, Jojo's been to Budokan. I think he's seen Paul McCartney at Budokan. Gotcha. And, and, and and some other acts there so like he's lucky he's he's gotten to have the full like budokan experience but yeah like so why did you pick this particular match though then joey so i i picked this because uh like like i said earlier um guys like the like masawa for whatever reason i mean i feel silly even saying this now um especially considering probably the people that are listening to this being like you didn't get mitsuharu masawa <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh I, the same can be said about Tawe. um and i think he's more understandable in that sense uh in terms of kind of getting him um just because he, he he's kind of clunky he's not the most crisp wrestler um he he kind of he moves in a very unique kind of awkward way um but i mean gosh darn it if if i wasn't lying if i said he's probably my favorite of the guys now like it just it just really took uh being like an acquired taste i think and then in terms of uh his opponent i mean you can't go wrong with dr death steve williams so (laughs) it sounded great on paper i had never seen the match so i said you know uh it's a great chance to to see these two uh square off and i just i really think both of these guys move in such unique ways in the ring um that i was just kind of intrigued uh prior to even watching just seeing what this match looked like so yeah i mean with with with, with dr Dusty williams i i always liked him like when i first got to see him he was wrestling in um jim crocker promotions he was doing like uh i think this is just prior to him joining the varsity club with mike rotunda and kevin sullivan and, and rick steiner and i was always familiar with him through the through the uh the after mags so I was like, who's this guy looks amazing. Why hasn't Vince like scooped this guy up in the eighties? Like that to me was always like a head scratcher for me. Um, but like, and then I start seeing his work with in, in all Japan, especially his tag team with Terry Gordy, the miracle violence connection. And I, I always thought like, yeah, this guy's awesome. Um, but like he has kind of a shelf life as far as like being like a top shelf worker in all Japan after like maybe the first four years of his tenure there, I think he does peak. Like for me, like Gordy going back, I, I always think like Gordy is the more dynamic worker of the, the MVC. So like, I, I, I always think it was a shame, like what, how Gordy ended up turning out to be through his own, you know, personal you know, yeah. like uh, foibles and things like that. But like Dr. Dusty Williams in 96 is, a, is kind of an interesting person to, to look at here. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into that as we go through the match itself. Let, let me give some background on, on um, 
on this uh, particular finals from 1996. So uh, Tawei, like I said before, reached the finals of the 97, 95 carnival. Uh, and he fell short to, of course, uh, Mitsuhara Masawa and we, in the match that we reviewed uh, last month. Uh, on, in this, in this version of the champion carnival, he takes on Dr. Death C. Williams. Uh, kind of interesting to know that Tawei is one half of the world tag team champions with uh, Toshiaki Kawada at this time, the Holy Demon Army. And uh, the carnival itself in 96 was a 12-man, single-block, round-robin uh, format. And the participants were Akira Tawe, Steve Williams, uh, Stan Hansen, Kenna Kabashi, uh, Mitsuhara Masawa, Toshiaki Kawada, Gary Albright, Johnny Ace, uh, The Patriot, Del Wilkes, Junakiyama, uh, Takao Mori, and Taman Honda. Like, Taman Honda is kind of like, why, why is he in there? Like, I could think of, like, a couple other people I'd rather... I put in the the champion carnival. If I would have put like you know rookie Damon Honda in in '96. Uh, yeah, it looks like they needed a, a fall post by the look of his uh, total <laughs> final total of points in the in the tournament. <laughs> I never agree with that concept of like having some guy lose all his matches. Like if you, you know that like that to me kind of invalidates the the purpose of like the like something like the champion carnival or, or the N1 in Noah or the G1 in new japan it's it's just like you should i don't i don't agree with the idea of like putting like you know oh let's make it a 24 person block two blocks it's like just have like you know 10 12 and then divide over two and then you have the finals like that's what i would do like i don't i don't don't like single block tournaments either i think it's better more dramatic to have like two person like a two a a set of two blocks for for a tournament like this yeah i agree i like the the modern g1 style for a big tournament like this as well i always think like you know single blocks is like you i don't know i just i, I like then shorten it down to like six people like don't make it so long because sure. then you're just yeah. you're just wasting some of the matches in my opinion but that that being what it is like you, you do get a lot of high-end matches when you have like the champion carnival especially in, in this era of all japan uh, let's talk about the path to the finals for each guy so Tawei's path to the finals uh he uh he defeated johnny ace jun akiyama gary albright stan hansen uh tim and honda takao mori and the patriots so that's those are people he got wins over which is pretty impressive like list of names there um he had draws with uh, Toshiaki Kawada, Kenna Kobashi, and Steve Williams. And his only loss was, was to Mitsuhara Masao. So he did very, very well for himself in this tournament, uh, Joey. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, like, th- is it three 30-minute draws for him in this tournament? <laughs> that's yes. insane. Like, that's so nutty to me. Well, I mean, like looking like I can understand the one with Williams. Obviously, this is like trying to build yeah, up. Yeah, but yeah. They know like Baba knows this is the finals. So, like, okay, he can't beat Williams or Williams can't beat him. Um, and Kawada, they're tag partners. And Kobashi is, yeah, it's Kobashi, right? Like Kobashi, you're building yeah, up a, a future guys. Yeah, yeah, future match down the line. And yeah, his only loss is to the ace of the company in Sahara Masawa. Um, Steve Williams, path to the finals. He he got wins over Johnny Ace, Jun Akiyama, Tim and Honda, Toshiaki Kawada. Uh, Mitsuhara Masawa, Takao Mori, and the Patriots. So he's get, he he got some pretty he got two big wins with the Kawada and the Masawa wins here. So like doing very, did very well for himself. He had draws with Gary Albright, uh, Stan Hansen, and of course uh, aforementioned Akira Tawe. And he only suffered one loss, and that was to Kenneth Kobashi. So again, like you, if you look at Williams's like 
like list of people he beat. It's, I think it's a little, it's, it's more impressive because he has the wins over Kawada and Misawa on, on his path to get to the finals. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Again, noting three draws for both of these guys in the, in the tournament. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean like things like the, the, you know, the champion carnival G1, whatever it's like, they're all intricately booked to like, they, they have to get these, these guys have to be in the final. So they have to have, to have these, these kinds of points. And, you know, like, and what's a tiebreaker with like other people, like, okay, so this person beats the person who beat this person. So they're ahead of that person in the points. And I can never keep track, Joey. I don't know what you're like during G1. I can never keep track of like how to make like, oh, when we get down to like, you know, the last four days of the G1, it's like, ooh, who's gonna, who's got the tiebreaker? Da, da, da. I can't keep track. Like, nope. and I don't, I don't have the real sports background fandom to like, you know, to like figure out, figure this shit out. Yeah, no, complex. It's like doing complex math for me. Like I just, I, I kind of hand wave it and just, uh, just tune in and it, hope that the commentators and the uh, graphics before the show starts <laughs> help explain the uh, the different possible outcomes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Uh, usually I wake up on on G one final day and I'm like, uh, I have no idea what the or actually the 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 block final days and and I'm just like, I have no idea how things can turn out. But I hope. Uh, this person and this person are in the finals this year. That's usually how I go into stuff like this. Yeah, same with me. Same with me. Yeah. So, uh, looking, taking a quick look at like maybe the the kind of career history of of like Tawei and Steve Williams against each other. You know, most of their interactions in the past were were in tags. Uh, foremost with Tawei teaming with uh, his mentor Jumbo Saruta against Williams and Gordy in the early nineties, and then. You know, and then when Tawei's team starts teaming with Kawada, they would be taking on the Miracle Violence connection quite a bit. I couldn't find that much history of them having singles matches against one another, but I'm sure they exist on like house shows here and there throughout the history of 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 like you know like the six year period that like Williams is like you know been wrestling in all Japan at this point. Um, but yeah, let's uh, for actually, for a bit uh, of a change. I, I actually have a, a note on that. Uh, hmm. So it looks like. Uh, from 91 to 98, they had uh, one singles match. Oh, that actually doesn't line up. They had a singles match in the Superpower Series uh, that Williams won in 1991. And then 92, 93, 94, 96, 97, 98, and 2000, they had one singles match uh, in the uh, championship car- or champion carnival of that year and then the final in this year that we're discussing now. So it's pretty limited in terms of singles matches. I, I, I only found nine. Yeah. It's not, it's not a lot considering like how often like Steve Williams was like touring with, with all Japan. And like, like I, I'd be curious, like I, I would imagine he has like a nice number of like matches against like the other pillars in terms you know, like with Kobashi and, and Kawada and Misawa. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, but then again, like you don't really put Tawei in the top mix in terms of like you know big singles matches like he's he's not the one baba's necessarily gonna be going to he gets a he gets a push you know because he is like baba i think recognizes hey this guy's you know he's not like the other three but he's good in his own right but i also yeah. think like you know baba looks at Tawei and sees himself in Tawei. Yeah, like, it's kind of hard not to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's gangly and like awkward moving like me. He's he's if I was, uh, you know, one of the pillars in the 90s right now, I would be a Kira Tawai. So I think that's part of the appeal for Tawai 
to to Bob. And I think that's Bob, part of yeah. his appeal to the All Japan fans in, 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 at large because it's like, hey, they love Baba, and they're like, oh, he's kind of like a modern version of Baba, who but he can move, who can actually yep. like do jumps and stuff like that. Like you know, Baba, bless his heart, great greatest promoter in in the history of wrestling, but he he was not a super great you know nope. worker himself. So you know. <laughs> No, you know, like I don't. I you know people might say, "Oh, you have to get, you have to go back deep and watch his matches from the '60s and '70s." Like I've seen some of his matches from the '60s and '70s. He's he's fine. Like I think his appeal was his charisma rather than his work. Like you know, of of the two big names, big promoters, you know, New Japan is Antonio Noki, Baba is yeah. all Japan, and Noki was the better worker, but Baba is definitely the better promoter. Oh, for sure, hands down. Anyways, let's as a change of pace though, Joey, for this episode, I'm I'm gonna let you lead the, the match review because one, I I watched this and then I had to prepare for another show I had to do, and I was like, oh, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'm gonna have time to like be able to write the notes. And you 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 graciously said, Yeah, I can do that. So, but I, I did watch it this morning before before we 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 met up here on on the Zoom room. And uh yeah, I did make notes myself, but I'm gonna just like you know, like just be uh, kind of giving addendums to the kind of points you're going to be making. So let, let's let's talk about Steve Williams versus Akira Tawe, April 20th, 1996, Champion Carnival Finals at Budokan Hall. Alrighty. And just as, as you noted, WH, I would like to preface this. Uh, this is my first like actual written match review. I uh, don't normally make match notes of any sort. Uh, I just kind of press play and I'm along for the ride. Even when I do podcasts, I'm I'm that that crummy uh, guest that <laughs> does not make pre pre show notes or anything. So uh, be gentle, everyone. Uh, I, I'm doing my best here. <laughs> but uh, all righty, so here we go. Uh, like you said, uh, April twentieth, nineteen ninety six, Championship Carnival Final, Tokyo uh, Budokan Hall. Uh, we see both men make their entrance uh, to very positive reactions from the crowd. Uh, both men are extremely over in Tokyo. I don't, I can't speak for other markets, um, but uh, both men just come out and Budokan is on fire already. Um, I, I think with, with Williams, it's like, he's got that awesome uh, theme music. I think it's from Kiss, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, Tawe, uh, I, I don't, his entrance is so cool too. It's just the, the guitar riff and everything. And then he just comes in and he, he, uh, they hold the, the young boys hold the ropes open for them. And um, I, side note, did you notice any of the uh, young boys? The only one I noticed was uh, Masawa Noe. Uh, that's the only one I could recognize. <laughs> so, Takao Mori is there. Uh, okay. Yoshinari Gawa is one of his Taui seconds. seconds uh, yeah. Mauna Mossman, Taiokea is is like holding the ropes for both. He like does it first for Taue and then he goes to the other side and, and does it for, for Steve Williams. I do not know who the big guy like there's a guy in the corner of Steve Williams. I do not know who that is. Yeah, he's wearing an all Japan uh, jumpsuit. Like, uh, but he doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't. It's not Wolf Hawkfield. It's not the Eagle George Hines. It's it's yeah. not Johnny Smith. It's not definitely not Johnny Ace because he wouldn't be like doing that duty anymore. Yeah, for for not for Steve Williams. So like, so I don't know who that is. So if like you're listening and you know who that is, I'm sure there's someone who knows. It's probably yeah, you know totally. like you know I'm gonna get a, a DM. From Alan Cunan, he's like, "Yeah, that was da 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 da." Oh, <laughs> was it? Oh my God! There you go. 
Yeah. I never like, feel bad if I if I don't know something that Alan knows because he's an excite an encyclopedia when it comes yeah. to this stuff. So <laughs> if it's not Alan, it's gonna be someone who's gonna come in and like just tell me, oh, that that's uh, this so-and-so person who never became anything, but that was who was in the corner of, <laughs> of Steve Williams. Yes. But yeah, it's a good it's a good entrance. Like and, and Budokan, I think, is like really on fire. I think like, you know, with the things you have to remember with all Japan fans, it's like they they follow. Like so, they know that this is like Tawai's second chance to be yep. in in the the champion carnival final, and like maybe oh, and I think they're they're firmly behind Tawai in '96. So like it, it's Definitely. a good it's a good atmosphere for for that adds a great backdrop for for this match. And one more side note before we continue, I will have to uh, shout out whoever does the ripping of these uh, the the version we were watching. Um, I believe. Uh, you said you watched the version I shared with you. It was from a G plus uh, airing of, it was just a classics airing of uh, Akira Tawe's, I believe his big matches in 1996. Um, so th- we watched a very crisp, clear, uh, non-grainy version of this match, which kind of helps my enjoyment in any circumstances. Just if the video quality is good, you can see every kind of, every little nook and cranny of the arena, then uh, it, I, I just, heightens the excitement for me when i'm watching these wrestling shows especially these these older matches from uh from 20 plus years ago so um anyways yeah uh, non a non like 10th generation version of any match in the 90s is, is yeah good to yeah see. and i i just i hope g plus keeps airing these old all japan big shows because i have a, a good amount of them saved on my uh my hard drives that i share with you and and uh man it really it makes it a lot more fun to go back and watch those full cards when it's just in like crystal clear condition so <laughs> oh, t- definitely agree I'm, unfortunately like the version we'll be sharing in the show description is is is, is on youtube and is not as crisp and uh, as beautiful as the one joey and i watched but hey that's because you're not me and joey so yeah sorry. If, if, Sucks if, you're to be nice, you. if, if you're nice and you want to see it i i can definitely share and uh just no that's me. only for me forget okay, all these sorry. other people <laughs> never mind nobody asked me for this copy <laughs> um but it, Anyways, moving forward, uh, WH's favorite ref, Kyohei Wada, is your referee for the match. Um, He's the greatest ref in this period of time in history in, in all of wrestling. He was awesome. He he really knew how to really hit that cadence with the uh, with his uh, ring counting with the one two three. It's it's everything like, though, like he makes it feel like a sport. Yeah, like for a sure. real athletic contest. That's I think the, the 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 goal of all refs should be. Like, even if you're doing, like, some bullshit meme wrestling comedy crap, like, the referee should be the anchor to try to hold him to reality. Yeah. So, like, when the ref is, like, doing the, the comedy shit, it's like, nah, I'm done with you. I'm done with this whole match then. <laughs> yeah. Well, in terms of what he does now with the, the Miyahara bits and stuff like that, uh, I mean, he's kind of a uh, meme of himself. No, but he's, as, as like, the- I, I just wish he retired five years ago. <laughs> yeah but yeah lee you're right back back then he was he was a great ref and i still i still pop i i hope someday japanese crowds can still yell his his name before the start of a match uh fingers crossed COVID ends uh at some point soon so we can see that <laughs> yeah but uh moving forward uh the bell rings and the intensity is off the charts with some heated lockups uh where Tawei seems to have the slight upper hand uh thanks to his his sumo background um, you could tell these two had a score to settle uh, 
based off just the intensity of them locking up at the beginning of this matchup. I, I'd imagine this carried over from the 30-minute draw they had earlier in the tournament that we mentioned. Um, we start off the first uh, offensive maneuver of the match is a shoulder tackle by Williams. Uh, Tawe responds with a big boot to the face. Williams then hits a lariat and starts clubbing on Tawe and takes control early as he settles things down with a snug sleeper hold. Tawe then gets to the ropes for a breakup, a rope break. Uh, Williams tries to reapply the sleeper, but Tawe sneaks around him, hits a gnarly backdrop, uh, gnarly backdrop followed by a couple of gruesome looking guillotines on the top rope. I don't know if you noticed those, those guillotines, but man, those don't look fun, especially if you've ever like felt a ring rope that just, and just the, these guys are massive. They have massive bodies. So like their weight coming down on that top rope, just, it, it kind of stuck with me. So uh, I, I had to make I, note of that. I, I noticed like, you know, like a couple, couple of points in, in like what you're talking about. Like one of the things I noticed in the second, my second viewing of this match was like, was like Tawe's like, I think his, his goal in this match, I haven't seen their, you know, the 30 minute drop, but like, I think one of his goals is to avoid walking up with steve williams he doesn't want to do that because like you know like steve williams is like at these massive arms he also has got a legit you know like amateur background and so like oh yeah. yeah i don't want to get i don't want this guy grabbing like and his his big finisher was the the dangerous driver which is a backdrop driver but like the high angle one that that almost killed Kobashi. Kobashi, yeah so i i just thought that was really interesting to watch Tawai kind of be strategic in that sense of like like okay i gotta avoid getting hit with this move like or getting getting tied up with doc so like he's always trying to get into the ropes he's always trying to position himself in in into the corner and then in the corner like he because of his own kind of like height and his kind of like odd like you know body type that he he's able to get maneuver maneuver out of corners and put doc in them like and so you know it's, it's really interesting to see his his like like oh my god like Tawai's like being an awesome fucking worker in this oh yeah definitely like psychology through the roof if if you're paying attention um from there uh Tawai, uh after the backdrop driver uh, or backdrop driver and then the two uh guillotines on the ropes uh where he drops dr death on his neck on the top rope uh Tawai then gains control with a sleeper but only for a few moments uh because williams then gets to the rope uh, Tawe allows him up and then whips Dr. Death and hits a drop kick. Uh, Tawe then goes for a pile driver or power bomb attempt that was kind of undiscernible at uh, that point because Dr. Death uh, reverses and sends uh, Tawe to the outside at that point. Yeah, I, I think he's going for the dynamic bomb, like his power okay. bomb. I, that's what I think he's going for. And then, you know, we got, I got to make mention of this. Like, there's like that striking exchange that him and, and Williams have. And it's like, you know, uh, you know, Tawe's able to get the advantage because he has these uh, great overhand chops to the yeah. top of, you know, like we're, he does this a lot with a lot of his opponents. Like he'll just chop the top of their head and yep. it looks kind of goofy. But if you really think about it, it's like, you know, I don't want to get hit in the head with an overhand chop by, by a man this tall and like with arms that are like look like that, that, that I think there's like a lot <laughs> of like, you know, leverage that he's and like momentum that he's able to create with the the type of arms that he has and like his height obviously as well oh yeah definitely from there uh tawe get, uh, on the gets dumped to the outside um he is visibly frustrated and rushes back in and we get some back and forth action ending with dr death 
uh, hitting his running ram into the corner uh, and then uh, following up with a, a power slam, follows up with a couple snug elbows on the ground and then applies a Boston Crab. Uh, Tawe then gets to the ropes and we get some more slap and strike exchanges. Uh, Tawe then manages to hit a DDT, hits a running big boot, but Williams uh, retaliates with a vertical suplex running uh with a vertical suplex, a running splash into the corner, and a running drop kick into the corner, and then hits a spine buster in the middle of the ring for a nice two count. Yeah, so um, I just I just want to make a couple of points here. Is like there's that point that you mentioned with the it, like Doc, Doc Doctor Death tries goes for the Oklahoma Stampede in the corner, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Tawa just looks like a spider. Like he's he's just like no, nah, I gotta grab these ropes, and he's like yeah. grabbing everything with like. Each each one of his limbs, like like his both his both his legs and both his arms are like grabbing the ropes in the corner so he doesn't get like pulled out and power slammed by by Doctor Death after being rammed into the Oklahoma Oklahoma Stampede. I, I just thought it was really cool to watch that. And one thing I got to note about you know like Tawe is that you know like each of the four pillars has like their trademark strikes, right? Like so Masawa has his elbows, Ka- yep. Kawada has his kicks, and Kobashi has the chops. But you know what you know what Tawe's really good at it's the the slaps he's really yep. he's got the best slaps of anyone among the four pillars like especially when he's like slapping people in the face it's it's really fun to watch maybe like the maybe that's where akiyama was inspired to like do his own face slaps it's like you know what i gotta get face slaps that are just as good as a kiritawe <laughs> yeah you're probably right um if so from there um uh... Dr. Death hits a spine buster, like I said, uh, for a two count. Uh, Williams then uh, gets up, picks Tawe up, and hits an insane Tiger suplex. Like, uh, like I thought, I mean, if you were watching this live, you'd be like, Tawe broke his neck here. Um, well, it's, Tawe- it's interesting because, like, he's going to try to go for the dangerous driver. Yeah, Can't get it. So then he uses, like, Masawa's suplex, Masawa's signature suplex, which is the, the Tiger suplex. And it's just like, I think... You know, I don't know, like, I can't remember, you know, Steve Williams using this move, like, yeah. that often, if ever. So, like, for people in the Budokan, it must be like, oh, shit, he used Masao's move. Masao beat him last year. Like, you know, Steve Williams is, like, going deep into the repertoire of, like, using other people's moves, people who've beaten Tawe. So, like, he's, I think it's a sign of, like, maybe the desperation that Dr. Death feels against Tawe at this point in the match. Yeah, like, like he needs to use Masao's tricks essentially to uh to do the job essentially um yeah that's a that's a good point yeah i didn't even think of that uh him using the misawa's move that's a that's a great point wh um Tawe then rolls to the outside as soon as possible to get some distance um dr death follows suit and brings Tawe back in with a body slam uh from the apron uh i i had trouble like typing this note out but uh visually uh so uh, Dr. Death was on the inside of the ring. Uh, Tawe was on the apron on the outside of the ring. And Dr. Death reaches over the top rope and scoops Tawe and then body slams him back into the middle of the ring. And just visually, I like I had to rewind it a couple of times because for whatever reason, logistically, that didn't make sense to me how he was able to scoop a guy from inside the ring, from outside of the ring, and cleanly suit or uh, body slam them into the middle of the ring. Like, uh, it was yeah, just, especially, uh, especially when 
like like with the Kiritawe's body like that's that's it's very awkward looking so yeah um but he did it i mean it's not like i've never seen like someone like usually you get you pick up somebody by like with the with, i don't know around wrapping your arms around like or your hands around someone's throat and or by their hair and like throwing them over the top rope into it but like doing a scoop slam is yeah it's kind of yeah. interesting you know technique to use here but yeah it, it, you know dr death is you know he's one of the things he's really famous for is being like incredibly strong and being able to like pick people up like people who are who are like seemingly unpickable by by other people but dr death can't can do it so yeah, yeah. especially it, like it being in an like an awkward position like it was i mean it just uh really caught me off guard so uh, well well cool. we'll talk about a lot of awkward things from dr death in this <laughs> yeah, <sure>. that's very <laughs> true <laughs> uh so from so from there uh both men get up Tawei hits an enziguri in, out of nowhere that uh williams shakes off immediately and fires back with some strikes that uh this exchange uh like we said uh just a few seconds ago this exchange kind of looks a little awkward to me but um <clears throat> it ultimately results in Tawei managing to hit a german suplex and the crowd kind of comes alive at that point. Um, Tawei then hits another big uh, running boot, sending uh, Doctor Death to the outside. I uh, love I love his running boot, like with the jumping high kick. I oh, think, so cool. like for someone who you normally think, oh, that looks weird, but man, like they he his he's he looks graceful doing it. Yeah, you know, like I, I'm going to say the word graceful and Akira Tawei aren't normally associated with one another, but. You know, like when he does this, just jumping high kick, whether it's against Steve Williams or Misawa or, or Kobashi or whoever, like it looks great. And it's it's one of my favorite things about like if I play him in virtual pro wrestling, like, yeah, yeah. one thing I love doing is hitting the ropes and then doing this jumping high kick against whoever <laughs> I'm, I'm facing. So it, it's it's something to behold. Like if, if you're watching the Taui match, it's something, keep an eye out for that. And just watch the, his form. It's It's really amazing to look at, in my opinion. So it, it, it's almost like he, he floats in the air just for like a, like a millisecond longer than what most people would. And just like with his frame. Yeah. It just, it's such a unique visual. It's, 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 and very graceful. Like you said, I, I love that move from him. And, and not um, too many people who have a, like a, who come from a super background, right. That go into professional wrestling in Japan do like, like, can't get their legs like that. up that high. <laughs> no, they can't. Like if you look at people like, um, who came from like Tenru? Tenru never like he could do a drop kick, but he could never do like a. I never seen him do a jumping high kick. You yeah, know? yeah. Whoever else like that came from sumo. There's tons of people like right now like in Noah Yoshiki Inamura. I think he came from sumo background, maybe didn't he? I can't remember. But like I, very few people do a jumping high kick like this, especially if their background was sumo wrestling. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so from there, let me see. Uh, I, always, I keep getting lost in my notes. I think they're, like I I think said, they're this, on the floor now. Okay. Um, do, yep. Gotcha. Uh, so, Tawei follows uh, uh, Williams to the floor, hits a DDT, uh, and there's some back and forth brawling after both men uh, get up from the DDT, uh, and then they end up uh, going back into the ring. From there, Williams uh, takes control as he hits a, sh- a huge shoulder tackle off the top rope and then uh, gets his revenge from those earlier two guillotines on the top rope uh, by uh, basically gorilla pressing uh, Tawe over his shoulders as high as he can lift him and then dropping him 
neck first straight on that the top ropes right in the yeah. middle of the ropes i i um, like it's interesting to see like the two different techniques so like tao is just like kind of scooping someone and he like hurls them he hurls yeah. steve williams into the ropes like and then catches him chest or throw first into the ro- top rope but like steve williams gorilla presses like him like if you know like if you don't know what a gorilla press is if you know the ultimate warrior that's what the ultimate warriors finisher was, was like yeah. put, pressing somebody over his head he's pressing tao which like the, the 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 weight distribution can't be easy for for for, for Williams to do this, but he gets him up <laughs> and he throws him onto the top rope. It's like it looks very very impressive. What I got I gotta make a couple of notes here in that like there's that spot where like they're on the apron, and and he's trying to get Doctor Death like Tyler's trying to get Doctor Death up on the apron, so he wants to go for the the apron the Do Otoshi that that he used famously last year against against Misawa, right? But like you yeah. know like. Steve was like, no fucking way. You're not, I I'm just, you're not doing that to me, especially at this point in the match. He's like, I'm not taking that move. I'm not taking that move. But you know, the, the great thing, you mentioned the chiller tackle from the top rope. It's beautiful. Like the, the, the beautiful thing, it's like one, 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 like Dr. Death looks really graceful doing it. But the, the other thing that's really, really impressive, Joey, he sticks a landing. He lands on his feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like and it, it's like it's like a gymnast doing like you know like all their like stuff on the the, the poles and stuff like that and then they stick lighting he sticks the lighting on the shoulder tackle which you don't see too often from anyone. Simone Biles esque landing, <laughs> not, not quite, but it, it was it was very impressive. It's like I usually you see guys kind of fall to their knees, but like you said that uh, he just kind of, I mean with any shoulder tackle, like even not off the top rope, just on the same level as your opponent um, on the, on the mat, like you'd expect the guy to fall to his knees, but yeah, Dr. Death just straight up just lands on his feet, like, like a true professional that he is. (laughs) Um, But from there, uh, so uh, we get the guillotine spot uh, revenge from earlier in the match. Uh, Tawe then fires up, hits a boot, a neckbreaker uh, drop and then a choke slam for a one count. Uh, Budokan then comes alive uh, again. Uh, there's just that the crowd is buzzing at this point. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's interesting because like we talked about like Doc using the tiger suplex, but he he tries to go for at the in this point in the match he tries to go for a dragon suplex like a full Nelson into, yeah, yeah. into, into, into a suplex and then like you know thankfully for Tawa he gets to escape that and he hits like you know he he busts out a Baba move. He does a neck breaker lariat drop. Yeah, that that uh, you know, like I'm sure is like, yay! Like I I I got this move from Baba because I I have a body type like Baba. <laughs> but I gotta mention, like I don't know if you, you're at this point where like you know try you know Tawei does hit this really ugly looking Nado Toshi, and and it's ugly looking because like you know like unfortunately like here's the thing Steve Williams can't get up these spots like he can't like like propel himself up in the air to help Tawei make this move look good in, in my opinion yeah yeah it's um i mean I, like we were talking off air i just i don't think uh williams really had any interest in taking any big bumps on his back in this match no <laughs> he, he must have been hurting like some type of way but um that's not to say the effort was was not any less than what you would expect for a championship carnival final or champion carnival. I always say that. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, he he was avoiding taking a back, back bumps like the plague in this match. <laughs> um, 
But from well, think there, about uh, this. Think about this. He's been in the company. Like he starts in All Japan in 1990. He's like been facing Jumbo Saruta, Tenru, Stan Hansen, Misawa, Kawada, Kobashi, Tawe, and, and like everyone else. He's been like in some of the like God, God, God forbidding like you know like grueling matches singles matches and tag matches so like his bump card must be like full up at this point for like for the royal road style definitely yeah and i i don't know i wasn't a a dirt sheet reader at that point uh but were there talks of him potentially going back to a a big u.s company at this at this time because i know he ended up in wwf this is is the time like he's like you know like in 96 he's i'm looking at his career trajectory he's like doing shots for ecw yep like and like he's going back and forth there but like it's in 98 that he he does like i think through jim ross he's he's yeah, getting yeah. The, the deal to go to the, the wwf and and like he's also doing like what else is he doing uh like some indies and stuff like that including like what's ever left of the nwa at that point sure. um but yeah like his, his like he's i think at, i've read somewhere like he's like he's like at this point in his career is like uh it's a travel uh, as well he's traveling back and forth the united states Definitely. to japan and he's working this style and it's 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 not good for him and then like 99 he gets the, the gig basically that ends i don't know like kind of to me it's like effectively the, the end of his career in america is like the the stuff with wfn the brawl for all and then goes to wcw that's the oklahoma stuff yeah yeah and and then he does you know continues a bit more into getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here but like just to say like he he does another like up to 2004 he, he's doing all japan but you know and, yeah. and you know but it's it's done he's toast by by 1999 he's toast like i hate to say it like that but that's just being honest like he can't he can't be the dr death he was like in the late 80s and, and early 90s yeah those those poor dudes with the big frames that just go all out just team to peter out a bit quicker than the, the smaller guys that do the same but such is life <laughs> um so yeah um picking back up in that match after dr death received uh was the recipient of a big boot the neck breaker job and the choke slam he did manage to kick out at one but he was hurting so he uh rolls out to the outside uh but Tawe is on fire and hits another beautiful move in the uh, that Tope Suicida, which was one of the more memorable spots of the match. Yeah, eat your heart up, Bret Hart. Your, your <laughs> Tope Suicida is not as good as Akira Tawes. That's not true. Like, I love Bret Hart's Tope Suicida. When you say that now, like, visually, it looked very similar. Like, they, they both kind of kind of hit the ropes and uh, dive, dive through the middle and top so, rope in, the, in similar ways. So with Tawe, he doesn't like dive like straight through. He does like he comes in an angle. Like he'll yeah, yeah. he'll do like a like a kind of a crescent, right? Like in the ring. And he'll he like most people will hit the ropes and then go at you straight ahead, like dive through the ropes straight ahead. He he does like kind of like uh like a like a crescent, like you know, like he does like a kind of a half circle in the ring, yeah. and then he'll come at you from that angle that he's coming from. And it's really interesting to see him do that instead of like going straight out. I think he's more comfortable with his frame being is like, I should just go sideways instead of straight, straight ahead to, to gain the momentum to get through the ropes. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, a another aside. I, I feel like we're, we keep going on on tangents, but oh, it's fine. I, we, we mentioned uh, earlier and continue to mention how both of these men kind of move in unique ways. And I think that's something that gets lost nowadays in modern wrestling, because 
everybody wants to be the crisp, clean uh, guy that or girl that hits every move exactly how it's supposed to be hit according to this unwritten pro wrestling rule book. But I mean, I wish more wrestlers nowadays allowed themselves to have more of an artistic license when it comes to unique movements in the ring and how they apply certain moves and how they hit certain moves instead of just having it look like the last gif of that specific spot that they saw on Twitter. Um, that's, that's just something completely unrelated to this match, but a, a weird kind of quirky opinion of, of myself. But I, 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 think, I, just, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, but I think like the 2000s ruined that yeah. <laughs> for wrestling, like with the advent of the Indies and like everyone trying to copy what they think is, you know, whether it's, you know, quote unquote, strong style or quote unquote, the Royal road, like they, they take the, the, the the aesthetics of the moves but they don't understand the psychology of the moves they don't understand the, the psychology of like trying to be different from everyone yep. else like if you look at like like let's let's take, let's take a look at like use new japan as an example let's look at the three musketeers just as a parallel right like none of them rust like each other they're all different like hashimoto is nothing like chono chono is nothing like mudo and mudo is nothing like uh, Hashimoto and then if you you know we go back to all Japan it's like Masawa wrestles nothing like Kawada Kawada wrestles nothing like you know you know Tawe Kobashi or, or Masao and like you can you just go through like Kobashi as well he's nothing like these other two and Tawe is like the most unique one of them all um and that's and then like maybe as someone as a younger wrestling fan I I didn't get that necessarily but as I get older and I, and I watch a lot more wrestling, I get more experience as a viewer. I, I tend to think, oh, you know, I don't want everything to look the same. Like if these two yeah. guys or two women like just wrestle each other and they just the same, it's kind of like, it can be, it can be fun and exciting, but it's also like, if that's all you're seeing, it's, it gets kind of tired, especially if you're watching it all in the same show. Right. Right. It's just so. kind of like a facsimile of, of, certain maneuvers throughout an entire card and it's like okay i saw this person this person and this person hit that same move the same exact way in three different matches on the same night and it's like I don't, it's a stylistic just, thing too right like I, yeah, I, yeah. I i for myself like cannot watch a full pwg pwg show in in one sitting like because it to me it just blends in it's like yep, oh they're yeah. doing the same kind of match style and you guys are all wrestling the same way as one another like the first three matches are like that it's like i gotta okay i gotta break it up with something it's like maybe just take a break and then come back okay and watch two more matches and then i'll get to the main event but if i think about it, it's like what's what was stand out about that pwe show well like all the work was high level but it's like nothing was different from one another necessarily it, it all blends in so like i can't watch modern like like for, like pwg from like the last you know three years is like all in one sitting i could watch i could watch like you know Rosita era like legion larry you know uh fucking pwg because there was some variety to yeah, like yeah. you know the the opening match to the to the main event but like the last three years i was like what it's what it's called the galaxy theater like galaxy uh, theater the, era the, i'm the, the globe I believe. the globe yeah. whatever the fuck it's called like you know <laughs> like you know i'd be i'd be like those those characters from the muppets i'd be in the balcony just like blasting some of these guys from, from that wallace, like, wallace and gromit <laughs> no, that's what well, well, that like that animation, the dog and it's the the guy who owns the the, the uh, dog. Who, who am I thinking of? The two old guys. We'd be the two old grumpy guys. Now, me, me, and Mike Murray would be the two two old guy, grumpy old guys up there. But he'd be like tempering me. Shh, don't 
you don't have to hate everything, <laughs> WH. Yes, I do. <laughs> Shut up. Let me wallow in my toxicity. Come on. But anyway, <laughs> anyways, we could be that too if you want. But you, you, you again, you'd be hentorious. It's not that bad. I'm like, yes, it is. It sucks. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always try to err on the, you know, the, the positive, like the lighter, lighter side. But uh, we, I, I think we, we do well at balancing each other out, WH. You know, we, we, <laughs> one, one experience you and I have not had. We've been to Japan, like we've seen tons of Japanese shows together, relatively speaking. But I, I do have to go see an independent wrestling show with you. We, and I'm, you're gonna see the full, the full hatred of of my my hatred for modern wrestling. Like, <laughs> I love modern wrestling, but sometimes I fucking hate modern wrestling, especially on an indie level, because like I see some of the stupidest shit I've ever seen in wrestling at indie shows. Like if you if you ever went to like back in the day UWA hardcore shows over in St. John's. Hall uh, on the border of Mississauga. I, I'm sure you've seen like some of their DVDs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there's I like, clips, there's yeah. times like I've been there for three fucking hours and I want to go home. I want to just go get, go with my friends to like the all night cafe diner and just get my fucking pancakes. But I still got to watch this fucking main event because it's like now we're at, you know, we're at midnight. And it's like, <laughs> why is this match still going on? Like, and like, there's one match is like for the tag titles on a scaffold. And, and like the guy, I think it was Christopher Bishop. He's like, he could, he could grab the belts that are like, he's on top of the scaffold. He grab the belts or he can do a 450 splash from the scaffold onto <laughs> fucking Josh prohibition, whoever the fuck was his opponent or whatever. I can't exactly remember who was in this match, but, and then I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Just grab the fucking belt. Do grab the he's belt. Gotta, and, he's got to do then, the 450. No, but like then, then do the 450. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's what logically. With the match and then. Yeah, yeah, then do the move. But no, he does the 450. Everyone else popped, and I was like, fuck you. And I left. I was like, fuck this. And I went out. I just I just left because that just angered me because like how stupid it was, you know. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> uh yeah, so yeah, we 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 gotta get you to uh or both of us to an indie show together uh That's sometime right. soon. That's right. The, I, I gotta wear this guy so like if like if people like look it out for me, like we can't advertise <laughs> that I'm there. Because like maybe like I've I've built up like a lot of enemies on the independent scene. <laughs> no, you're good, dude. Uh, yeah, that's not joking. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll have fun though. We'll, we'll plan the rest. We'll plan it off air. But uh, I look forward to that someday. Um, well, getting back to the match, if you uh, you cool with that? Yes, of course. Okay, cool. So we ended, I believe, on the the beautiful Tope Suicida that right. we uh, eloquently described. Uh, so now they. Uh, both men are on the floor. Uh, they end up uh, kind of taking a, a few moments, uh, and then they start to uh, battle back and forth on the floor, uh, and then back up onto the apron. Uh, at this point, uh, they're both kind of exchanging blows, and they fight for power or uh, leverage on the apron, and that results in a choke slam from the apron to the floor from Tawei to Williams. Williams didn't take a huge bump uh, off of this. He kind of landed on the on his heels and then kind of did a back roll. Um, and it looked a bit awkward, but like we said earlier, Williams was trying to avoid taking any back bumps, especially off the apron to the floor uh, at this point. Um, I'm sure it was a grueling tour and this match. And that, like he said, uh, his body was pretty close to just being done at this point. Um, so it was probably erring on the side of caution on this bump was probably a smart choice for the man and the crowd still reacted in suit 
uh, they, they still were eating it up and there's no jumbotron at this time, uh, at Budokan. So I think, uh, visually, <laughs> I think most of the crowd probably saw this and was like, oh yeah, no, Dr. Death died on that. <laughs> that well, choke slam. So, yeah, I mean, with that spot, like, you know, I'm, I wrote in my notes, you know, Tawai finally hits the apron no do Toshi and it looks like shit because like, I'm remembering the, the year before he hits Masao with that and Masao takes the, the back bump. He takes the yeah. From, from that movement it looks fucking awesome but here i want to also preface this or like as an addendum to, to this comment like that i think it looks like shit is like as a human being i completely understand steve williams not wanting to take that bump on his back but as a fan i just say it looked terrible okay like yep. the fan in me oh it looked like shit the human in me thank god he didn't take that bump yeah i just want to say that okay like he but it doesn't look good like he lands not i don't think he lands on his heels i think he lands like flat on his feet and then he takes the bump it, okay like listen i'm not saying like i don't like it doesn't doesn't i'm glad he didn't do it if, he, if he's feeling that bad about it but i'm just saying it, it takes me out of it because it's like i saw masawa do it the year before you know yeah yeah and if it was masawa in that spot or kawada or kobashi they would have taken the bump you know it's very true yeah so. yeah no i i i do not discredit williams for not taking a full back up on this and it's still i feel like uh even viewers at home like watching this on video if they would have went to the hard cam for this shot we would have been like we would have not known like that it, this was an awkward bump it would have looked deadly and crazy and like just as impactful as you would have hoped um unfortunately they went to the one of the floor cameras but yeah i mean if you're in the building these guys are surrounded like the, the whole floor uh at ringside is surrounded by cameramen. Like you're not going to be able to see how they're, how they land. Like if they land on their feet a little for a second and then kind of roll or whatever, it, it still kind of serves its purpose, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, no, I, I, I think live. Yeah. Like if you're on the other side of the, the ring in the stands or, or on the floor, it's like, you're not going to see, you're just thinking, Oh shit. He took the, he took the, he took exactly. the Toshi off the apron. Like, exactly like masawa did last year oh my god uh, yeah the only people who are gonna really see it at full are the people right in, like on that side of the ring yeah in the front row really and like you know they i think it i because it's it's done so quickly like it, it doesn't look as bad as it does like from us like watching it on tv so right yeah 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 in hindsight they probably should have went to the hard cam if they could have uh edited uh after the fact but such is life it's still a great match and it's still a great bump that it's the the correct reaction that you would hope for from the crowd um but from there uh Tawei, uh dumps william back into the ring and, and attempts for a, a pinfall uh, but only gets a two count uh dr death then evades a choke slam attempt and hits a big backdrop by or backdrop driver and the crowd pops again and kind of goes to the next level of heat for this final match in the tournament um Tawe's uh, on the ground. He's he's uh, kind of regaining his feet as Williams goes to the corner and goes into his two point stance and hits the shoulder tackle. Um, and he is they they zoom in on on uh, Williams uh, after he hits that two point stance shoulder tackle and he is on fire. He is feeling it. He is kind of shaking, kind of pumping up. Um, from there, he. Uh, Dr. Death picks up Tawei and hits a huge Dr. Bomb for a 2.9999 if you're a Fire Pro fan. Um, Dr. Death then goes for another Dr. Bomb, but Tawei sits out as kind of a 
another thing I really didn't know how to articulate. But yeah, so either Doctor Death like loses his grip yeah. <laughs> on Tawe, or Tawe somehow awkwardly reverses it midair, like as That's he's being I think lifted. Happened, yeah. yeah, and I can't tell which one it is either. And and you know Tawe ends up on top of Williams, and Kilhay White. Like I don't know if this is the planned spot or not. I I tend to think it was probably you know Williams is gonna go for the doctor bomb again. And then he's going to kick out of it. But like, like yeah. you know, it, it turns out if that was the case and, and Tawai accidentally ends up on Williams, Kyoai Wada, being the great referee that he is, wisely treats it like a shoot and goes for the three count. But, you know, fortunately, Doc, you know, kicks out. But it wouldn't have mattered because, yeah. you know, we'll get to why. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. He, Dr. Death hits that first Dr. Bomb, goes for the second one, like we were, like we were talking about. And what I note is he just, he goes for the Dr. Bomb. Tawe kind of sits out and squishes Dr. Death like a bug for a two count. And then at that point, Tawe kind of takes control again of the match, um, gets back up, hits a big sit out power bomb for a 2.99 for himself. Uh, but Dr. Death kicks out, obviously. Uh, both That's men a dynamic back. bomb, baby. I, I'm, I'm terrible with, with move names. I'm sorry. <laughs> you'll have to, you'll have to uh, correct me. Um, but uh, yes. Yeah, so at this point, both men are gassed and we're obviously in the finishing stretches of the match. Um, Tawei shoves Dr. Death into the corner, goes for a lariat, but Dr. Death moves out of the way and attempts a German suplex. Uh, however, Tawei gets his foot on the top turnbuckle and gets some leverage and then allows him to land on top of Williams again, similar to that second Dr. Death, or Dr. Bomb. Um, and he squishes him like a bug, bug a second time. Um, Tawe then picks uh, Williams up, hits a spectacular running big boot again that lands just Beautiful. square square in, in uh, Dr. Death's face, uh, just right on the nose. <laughs> uh, he, he picks uh, Williams up, hits the choke slam, and uh, then you get the one, two, three in 21 minutes, 41 seconds. And uh, Akira Tawe is your 1996 champion carnival winner. That's correct. And um, yeah, like Budokan just pops because like, oh, our guy won. Like he, he, he redeemed himself from last year's final against Misawa where he lost that match and he, he beat Dr. Death um, to, 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 to finally win the champion carnival. Like I think there's like people were just like clamoring for him to, to get that kind of a win in, in, in 96. I think 96 is like, I'm not 100% sure. I think 96 is like one of like, you know, for Tawe, like he has, he has a lot of momentum during that year. So, yeah. and he would continue it. So uh, I want to go into like kind of the, the aftermath of this is like, you know, like, um, you know, Misawa and Akiyama a month later after this match on May 23rd um, uh, beat, you know, Kawada and Tawe for the world tag team titles. And you're thinking, well, what's, that's not good. And, and I'm like, well, you know, the day after, on May 24th, Tawe, you know, he won the champion carnival. So like, you know, he gets the shot against Misawa and for who's the triple crown champion at the time. And he, and he beats Misawa for the triple crown. This is his only reign as, as triple crown champion. And it's just like, okay, there you go. Like he did something, you know, like very few people can say that they did. And that was to beat Misawa for, for the triple crown title. So like, it's a, it's a great, you know, I think, Feather cap on his, if you look at his career as a whole, this is like this this champion carnival win, and then subsequently winning the triple crown from Masawa is like it's, a, it's like definitely a highlight. The only other thing that I would compare it to would be like when he beats who did he, he beat uh, 
Marafuji? Gawa. No, is it Marafuji? He beat Ogawa, didn't he? For the JC uh, title? I thought it was was uh, uh, Marafuji, which would be poetic justice because I believe it was 10 years later and beating uh, Misawa's predecessor. Um, that would be a pretty cool story, but yeah, no, I, I, no, I'm no. embarrassed that I don't know this, but no, I, I let me see. Hold on, titles. Da, 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 Kiritawe. Let me just look at him. Da, da, Kiritawe titles. Titles. GHC heavyweight champion matches. He, who did he beat again for become GHC champion? He defeated. Uh, Oh, he beat Riccio. Riccio. Yeah, we're he both beat Riccio because <laughs> everyone hated Riccio's title reign because yep. he was not because it was such a letdown after Kobashi's epic title reign. So, like, when he beats Riccio, like that, I remember why I got that tape or I got that DVD and <laughs> the, the, um, you know, the crowd goes nuts because they just don't want, they want to see anyone but Riccio be, be the champion. And yeah, and then he has one defense against Morishima. And then he loses the title to, to Jun Akiyama. But like that's on, uh, no, that's on uh, November fifth, two thousand and five, that he beats Rekio at, okay. at, at at that Budokan Hall to become the uh, the GHC Heavyweight Champion. But uh, yeah, that's I think that for for him at that point in his career, that's like the the gold watch. Like you know, thanks for coming to Noah with me. You know, Tawe, <laughs> yeah. thanks for leaving Kawada behind and coming with me. You know. Here's here. You're gonna be the one who ends this disastrous reign that Takeshi Rikio and that, <laughs> that no one has any time for. You know, like, and here's the thing. You know, what's funny is like, like Rikio gets that gets to defend that belt against Tanahashi in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> yeah, at uh at at the big uh Kobashi uh, uh Sasaki and Kawada. Well, that was the final Kawada Masawa match too, wasn't it? Yes, and that's that like third film. from the and that's third from the top. The GAC heavyweight title match is third yeah. from the top because like yeah, oh yeah, our champion, nah, he can't go on last. He's not a big enough star, <laughs> you know. We haven't built him up enough. But I digress about about like the the way Noah booked its its younger talent back in the, the early two thousands. But uh, yeah, that's like my notes of that. Like that. So I just want to say for me overall, the first viewing of this match, Joey, like I I just thought it was okay. I wasn't too impressed with it. I I would think i would have gone if i did an immediate rating for it i would have gone three and a half but i thought i'm going to watch this match one more time before we do this this podcast and and the second i did this morning and i gained an appreciation for how good Tawei was in this match for compensating for like williams's like you know physical shortcomings in yeah by the time we reached 1996 and and for that like i will go i will go for four stars for this match mainly because i think Tawei does a, an awesome carry job and not to discredit like or you know like like kind of devalue like Williams' contribution in the match because I do think there's like some flourishes but overall it is Tawei who carries this match it's Tawei who's like keeping it together it's Tawei who's like making it ex- as exciting as it as it turns out to be in this because it's most of his spots that like that he does that that pop the crowd and it's like near the end when Dr. Death hits like signature moves like the Dr. Bomb and the the the, the dangerous driver that the crowd's like, oh, he might beat Tawei. It's exciting. Yeah, and yeah. Tawei kicks out and then it's it's but it's all resting on like the cow reactions are all resting on like the, the Tawei being able to overcome these dangerous moves that have beaten other people in the history of Dr. Death's career in, in all Japan for wrestling. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I would probably agree with, with, uh, your take on this. Like it, it took me a couple of watches to really, for it to sink in how, how good of a match this really was. Um, it was just the, the pace, like I, I respected the pace and the action on the, on the first viewing, but yeah, the, uh, me kind of like paying more attention to the psychology and then adding on actually doing match notes, uh, and kind of seeing the, uh, actual through line of the match itself, uh, really helped out a lot with my appreciation of this. And yeah, I mean, I just, like I said, the, the reason I picked this match was I just, I really like that both of these guys kind of move in unique, very different manners, uh, when in the ring and, uh, I don't know. I think that that showed very well in this match. I mean, there, there, like I said, there was some great action and the pace was, was very high throughout the match, but that's not to say there weren't uh, a few kind of gritty kind of awkward little uh, spots here and there in the match. But to be honest, I mean, they, they really didn't deter uh, from my enjoyment for this match. It was, it was, uh, if anything, it actually kind of helped because I, I, I kind of enjoy uh, you know, nitty gritty, not perfect matches like we were talking about earlier today. Yeah, I I, I, I could appreciate it as well. Um, I think it's it's nice to see something that looks different. Like we should, yeah. I think is your main point there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, let's uh, before we get into like plugs, like I want to talk about uh, next month's episode. Joe, you know what? Next, this is episode fifteen, so that means next month. Uh, the next episode of the long and winding road road is episode 16. So as you well know, every fourth episode, we're going to do a biography series and we've done one on Mitsuhara Misawa. We've done one on Toshiaki Kawada. I did one with case low on Kenneth Kobashi. And so number 16 is the fourth of our biography series. And we're going to be of course talking about Akira Tawe. So appropriately oh, enough, episode 14 was about Akira Tawe. Episode 15 was about Akira Tawe. Episode 16 will be, all about Akira Tawe, like his life, his career, as much information as I and my co-host, who I, I'm just trying to finalize. So I'm not going to say who it might be uh, fine about Akira Tawe. And we're going to we do an overview of that. And I just want to say, like, people think, oh, that's the end of the biography series. I'm planning to do at least uh, three more after this. Like, I definitely want to do one on the fifth pillar, the unofficial fifth pillar, Jun Akiyama. I think it's important to do that. We have to do one on Stan Hansen. Um, and I want to do one on Jumbo Saruta. And, and I definitely want to do the final one will be on Giant Baba himself. Well, we'll be, I want to do a biography series and let people know about the, you know, about the, the life of this very, very interesting figure in the history of professional wrestling. And the pre- pretty much the reason why we get to watch all these great matches is because of Giant Baba. So, yeah. God, God bless Giant Baba. <laughs> yes. like I have, I have, sorry, I have like who I know I want. I mean, I know who I want to do the, the Akiyama biography episode with. I, I, I know who I want to do the, I, I'm trying to decide about this, the Hanson one. I have two candidates for that, but I, I know I've already asked the person I want to do the Jumbo one with. And I, I, I haven't asked the person about the Baba one, but I know who I want to get for the Baba one. So it's like people, oh, who, who are they? It's like, you're, uh, you'll find out. In, in time i'll tell joey off air <laughs> yes. you, but i'll tell joey off air but like you you people will have to 
keep listening and find out who these uh, special guests. <laughs> but I think when you hear that some of the names, you can be like, oh, that makes sense. That person makes sense. That person makes sense. And that person makes sense. Each, each person will, I think, make sense for why they get to do those biography episodes with me. So we got Akiyama. I think in order, it's going to be Akiyama, Hansen, uh, Jumbo, and then Giant Baba. And that'll be the end of the, the biography part of the long and winding Royal Road. Unless someone says, David, you need to do an entire series on Wolf Hawk, an entire episode on Wolf Hawkfield. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's going to happen if someone requests or what. I need to know everything there is to know about Johnny Smith. And I love Johnny Smith, but I don't <laughs> think there's enough out there for me to do a biography episode about, about Johnny Smith. So there, there you go. Calgary's, Calgary, uh, I think he moved from England to Calgary when he went to Stampede Wrestling. So. He's, he's kind of Canadian, so felt Canadian there. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm now I'm just rambling on. Joey, uh, what, where can people find you? Oh, um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Joey underscore Bay. And then uh, I also have an Instagram, uh, Bowie, uh, B-O-E-Y underscore J. Um, had to switch around the first letters because Joey Bay was already taken on Instagram, but yeah, follow me on, on Twitter for the wrestling, uh, heavy content and, uh, mostly positive takes, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, follow me on Instagram if you want, uh, if you want to, you know, see videos of my cats and maybe some live wrestling, uh, Insta snaps and things of that nature. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's really all I have to, to plug is just my personal socials <laughs> well I, I will say you know like one thing about your twitter is like it is really a good a good resource for people who want to like kind of f- keep up with things that are happening in the american independence scene like joey goes Definitely. to a lot of independent shows especially like in the midwest area right so it's, yeah. it's great to see like uh oh what's happening in st louis what's happening in chicago what's happening in like surrounding areas like joey's Twitter is probably one of the better, better bets for, for finding that. And then if you like, the, if you like the light tube stuff, like Joey does too. So <laughs> he's, he's, you're going to find a, a safe space there for, for sharing your love with, with Joey Bay with myself. Not so much pizza cutters, light tubes, barbed wire. Not, not, not my thing. Not really going to find me saying positive about that stuff. So, but Joey definitely, he loves it. He's, he's throwing <laughs> pizza cutters at, at, at Mark Cardona. I don't think you did, but like you wouldn't do that. No, you're no, not scum I, like that, you know. No, like, listen. I, let me just say again: if, if 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 throwing like an empty plastic bottle is one thing, if you're throwing pizza cutters at another human being, fuck you, you're scum. <laughs> I didn't personally see that, but uh, I did see all the other trash that got thrown into the ring. And uh, old bottles, yeah, no. anything glass, fuck you. And is yeah. anything sharp, fuck you. Like empty plastic okay i'm not i wouldn't do it but okay you know yeah totally no next next time we see each other in person wh i'm gonna make sure to i i have that uh gcw plant shirt and i'm gonna make sure to wear it so we can get a picture together (laughs) and uh it's the it's crazy how much discourse gets caused from that stuff but yeah i don't i don't uh i i just i'm here for the ride man i i enjoy it all so uh yeah if if you want to just talk general positivity towards wrestling uh i'm probably your guy more often than not i'm going to try and find the the silver lining in in most things but uh listen i'm pretty happy our- like as of this recording looks like hazaki is back in stardom i'm pretty happy about that oh, is she really yeah there is like in the osaka shows like she showed up so we'll talk about that off air but oh my you know, gosh yeah, that's amazing the other thing i'm not positive about is like 
Kaido Kiyomiya getting run over by the Great Muda in a car. And it looked the car stupid. was going like two miles per hour. Oh my god! It was like <laughs> it's like he he headbutted that fucking car. He didn't get yeah. hit by that. It's like this is stupid. Fuck you, Nosawa. Anyways, this is not the place for that. Thanks for listening. Um, you can find me, of course, at WH Park Nine, the number nine, on Twitter. And if you want to see what I eat for lunch, usually I you know follow me on Instagram. <laughs> um, as well, like uh, of course, I do post Perez with John Pollock usually, and and when I get to get to do a, a bonus episode, I usually do it with a, a rotating guest host like Joey Bay or Dylan Fox. The uh, the last episode that dropped last week uh, was with Andrew Thompson. Very fun conversation. Please check that out. And of course, I do this show, and of course, I every week I you know when there's an MCU uh, streaming show on Disney Plus, I review it every week with waiting at MCU later, which you can only find on the Patreon. You got to sign up for the Patreon for that and and if you think i'm i i can be toxic talk about wrestling wait till you hear my comic book and and uh, <laughs> takes. but there you go um but yeah thanks to, again thanks to everyone who's who supported the show whether it's through uh, retweets or nice comments to 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 me i really appreciate it thank you for everyone who's bought a you know pillars t-shirt uh spread the word uh you know john cena Get, next time you meet Eddie Kingston, wear it and like buy one for him and then have him wear it and take a picture, put on Instagram, whatever. There you go. I'm trying to get John to buy another t-shirt. <laughs> you might do it, but okay. there you go. And yeah, like uh, next month, the Kira Tawe episode gets to be finalized, but so I'm not going to name it, name the person right now. So, but uh, yeah, uh, on behalf of Joey, thanks for listening. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>